This program is brought to you by Brining Institute, which has provided higher education, training, testing, and certification for addiction professionals since 1986. Uh, and we talked about it last week, how difficult it can be for some counselors. Okay, for, for a few different reasons, and we'll actually talk about that even, what some of the reasons are that counselors hold back on, um, on being willing to, to confront a client. And I also want to make sure that I, I remind us um, that confrontation doesn't necessarily mean in your face. It, it, it can mean other things. There's different types of confrontation. Um, and we'll, we'll look at all of those, okay? Um, so about confrontation, Jacqueline Smalls, um, somewhere in there it talks about the act of bring, bringing the client face to face with his reality, okay? And that doesn't have to be ugly. I mean, sometimes it can just be a simple statement on our part to, for them to go, oh, you know, and, and, and they may not like what we said, but it's just, you know, it's really, it's wonderful when you get that, Oh, you know, kind of, wow, did I say that? Or, you know, there, you know, this, this eye-opener of, ooh, I'm, you know, what I'm saying and what I'm doing isn't matching or, or what I'm doing isn't, isn't really matching the goals that I've said I want, you know, things like that. So it isn't, doesn't, you know, that word confrontation almost, is a, it almost misleads what we're talking about, okay? So again, she says the act of bringing the client face to face with his reality as you perceive him as a whole person. Our clients are adept at concealing, avoiding, and distorting the truth in order to protect their addiction. We have to. I mean, if I want to use and drink and feel okay about it, I've got to get good at uh, concealing, avoiding, and distorting the truth. You know, I can't be fully awake and, um, and admitting all, all that's going on and all the damage I'm doing and still make it okay to get loaded. You know what I mean? We have to be in that place, okay, as an addict. Clients must come to understand... <clears throat> excuse me, I'm not feeling very well today, so... Clients must come to understand the discrepancies between their words and their behaviors. Okay? It is crucial to point out reality to clients. <clears throat> Sometimes this must be done in a kind, firm way, emphasizing strengths of the clients. You know, th that's something that uh, came up for me this week. This, week. Um, this client uh, in a relationship that's really, she just came out of five months in jail and the jail was only about 20 minutes away from where she lives with her significant other and the whole five months he never came and saw her. You know, and, the, and yet when she, you know, she talks about him, it's like this loving, supporting, kind relationship. But if I'm in, if I'm in jail for five months, I really expect my loving, kind, supportive relationship person to come and visit me. You know, I really do, you know. So as she describes the relationship, it really doesn't match up when she tells stories about, you know, yes, there's some domestic violence. Yes, there's this, this but it doesn't match. And then she talks about how um, confident she is. 
and, and her self-esteem is good. It's like a person with high self-esteem doesn't sit in a relationship with somebody who after five months, and then when you got out of jail, they didn't come see you either. Oh, and, and you've been out of jail, and they know that you have nothing because you just got out of jail, and they haven't made an effort to help you get some clothes or some cigarettes or anything. You know, and so just kind of opening her eyes to, okay, this is what you're saying, but this is also what you're saying over here, and the two don't really match. And let's look at reality here, okay? But yet doing it in a kind way that isn't about blowing her hair back. It's just about opening her eyes, okay? At other times, the counselor must be assertive and even what can come across as aggressive in order to get clients to see inconsistencies, okay? Um, and yet, some people master this art where it doesn't even ever feel like it's going to be uh, aggressive. I can tell you that I'm good at being aggressive, <laughs> okay? Uh, um, it doesn't have to be that way, okay? And I, like we talked about last week, it's like Greg. When we talked about last week, we were talking about Greg and Sam seems the same way. It's like, you guys will probably get really good at being confrontational, and yet it'll, it may never come across as being aggressive, or it's a rare event. You know, because that just really, it feels like that's more of who your personality is. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Okay. Um, confrontation occurs when there's an observed discrepancy. So I'm going to write these down for you guys because I want you to have these, okay? So this is the when. And there might even be more later. But right now... Uh, Again, I'm going to apologize for any spelling errors in advance. Okay. A. We got what is being said. And your perception of what he, she is experiencing. Can someone give me an example of that? Let's say you have a client and they're in the middle of something or whatever and, and they're, they're crying, like sobbing and yet they're, they're saying that they're angry. And so that's a good opportunity as a counselor to go, wow, because what that really looks like is sadness or hurt or pain. You know, but a lot, of, a lot of us, our clients, a lot of our clients have a hard time um, knowing what to call their feelings. And a lot of our clients are far more comfortable being angry and talking about saying that they're angry than they are about talking about their pain or their fear or their sadness. So they could be crying, crying, crying and saying, I'm mad, when the truth is, it's like I'm sad, I'm hurt, I'm afraid. And so this is a good opportunity for you as a counselor to go, wow, what I'm seeing doesn't look like anger to me. You know, and tell me more. Does that make sense? So you can Okay, and B. What he or she is saying and what you heard them 
say at an earlier time. Okay, anyone got an example? We'll have clients that'll say, you know, I don't care, man, woman, I don't care who. My kids are the most important thing to me in the world. So I'll, I'll hear them say that many times, and I'm sure you guys will experience the same thing, and then I'll watch their behavior be something that doesn't match up to that. Okay, whether that be that I watch them not take care of their kids in a way that they should be taking care of their kids, okay, or whether that be that I watch them put other, other things in front of their children constantly. You know, and then that can be one of those instances where it's like, <clears throat> it happens often. If, if you've got CPS in your life, whether you're a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. It's not like they're, they're particular. Uh, you can have CPS in your life and you say your kids are the most important thing in the world and I'm going to do whatever I got to do to get my kids back. And then CPS puts a demand on you that isn't something you want or you like. Because it happens, it happens where sometimes CPS will say, wow, your significant other is still using. So you don't get to go back to that environment if you want your kids back. And then there you are standing there going, oh my gosh, because I really want to be with my man or with the woman I'm with or whatever it is, I really want to be with them. And now CPS is making me choose between my kids and them. You know, and then we might see our clients putting a lot of, lot of uh, time with their significant other and the kids are kind of on the back burner. You know, and then that's one of those times where it's like, wow, when you first got here, you said that your kids were your priority, you'd do anything to have those kids back. And then this is what I'm seeing. Does that make sense? Okay. The third one, uh, the discrepancy between uh, what he is saying now and his actions in everyday life. So it's kind of a twist on this one. You know, this one is about, wow, earlier I heard you say something about your kids being more important and now, right now, I'm seeing your focus be on your significant other and your relationship. This one is a little bit a twist on that. What you're saying now and your actions in everyday life. In other words, wow, right now in group you're telling me how you want to be a changed man or how you want to be a changed woman and that you don't, you know, you are so not about the lifestyle anymore. Let's just use that as an example. You don't want to be a gangster anymore. You don't want to raise your kids in that environment anymore. Whatever, whatever. And yet every day I see you out in the parking lot at outpatient do, you know, run and scam on people or whatever or whatever. Every day I see you talking this way or being this way. So here in group you're presenting like you want your life to be different but when I'm watching you out in your everyday life I'm not seeing that. Yeah, you're not walking the walk. And this is a good opportunity because we do get clients that come in. It's like they do want a different life and, and, and they do want to raise their kids different than maybe they've been raised and stuff like that. Um, and this is a good opportunity to go, sometimes they don't, they're not aware of the way they communicate. Does that make sense? So sometimes they're still throwing the gang signs and they're still doing this behavior and they're, they're so, they're not even used to it. 
I mean, they're not even, they're not even awake enough yet to know that that's what they're doing. There's, it's such a habit for them. So this is more about, hey, do you, this can be, I'm not saying it always is, this can be more about, wow, wow, Jamie, you know, I, you're really working on, on not uh, coming off as, you know, street, you know, street language and street behavior. And yet, oftentimes, I, I see you, you know, still talking and a lot of hand gestures about gang stuff and a lot of, yeah, and a lot of still talking, you know, like, you know, that lifestyle. And so I just want to make you aware of it so that you, you know, just get more and more aware of the fact that it really is, you know, deep down, it's going to take a lot of work for you, okay? Because I'm hearing you say you want it this way, so I'm going to be the one that points it out to you when you're doing it the other way. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. Um, confrontation. Confrontation can uh, precipitate a crisis point in a client's life. Uh, what do you think that means? And then it also talks about confrontation can create some breakthrough for a client. I mean, I think that's like evident. Honestly, in some ways, and some what you were just talking about too, Ray. I mean, really, that you can get by this confrontation. And again, I'm going to remind you, confrontation isn't about ah, doesn't have to be that. Um, that, but you can really open a client's eyes if you're willing to go. Wow, this isn't matching. I mean, it really is some ahas about wow. You describe your relationship like it's deeply loving and yet he hits you or she hits you, you know, because I certainly don't want to get gender biased on domestic violence, okay? Um, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes clients, it's like, or oh, here's a good one. It, let's say you're doing a one-on-one -on -one with a client and they're talking about their relationship and yet, you know, a lot of, a lot of people come across and go, he really loves me, and I just, and it just he gets jealous or he gets mad, and I, but I know he loves me, and that's just how he shows his love, you know. And I know that that doesn't, you know, for when we're saying it, it, it's not making sense for us, okay. But a good way to go is like, okay, so is that the love that you want your child to experience? And sometimes people go, oh no, that's not why I want my daughter or my son to, to experience love by being hit. You know, some small little statement. It doesn't have to be this huge thing to get someone to open their eyes to, ooh, wow, no, that's not the way I want my child to be. That's not the way I want my child to feel loved. Okay? You know, then if you don't want your child to feel loved that way, why is it you're willing to? Okay? And then you could even say, you know, our, our, sometimes our children don't listen to us. They watch us. Okay, and so pay attention to what you're teaching your child. You know, very calm, um, caring statement. And yet considered confrontation because it's just, it's that, wow, this isn't matching. Okay? And then the third one, um, confrontation can create deeper trust between you and a client as a result of you having, taking the risk of being honest with them. It, I mean, honestly, isn't that the friends that you want in your life? Don't you want friends in your life that are going to go, Ray, I'm concerned, you know, or Cornell, you know, yesterday you were saying that you wanted this, and yet today you're acting a fool. 
You know, I mean, if that's the friends I want in my life. If, if, I mean, honestly, if, if the clients may not like it in the moment when we confront them about whatever they're saying not matching or whatever they're doing not matching. They may not like it in the moment, but I'm telling you, it's a rare, it's a rare event that I don't have a client come back to me and, and acknowledge in some way, shape, or form. <clears throat> I want to say that differently. It's a rare event that the client will stay angry at me because I've confronted them on something. It's a rare event. <clears throat> Generally, they'll come back and go, wow, you know, thank you for doing that, or, you know, and it creates a closer relationship with a client, you know, where they start, they start to trust us more because we have, we've cared enough to pay attention and to call them on that behavior. You know, it's just like you said, the people that we've been hanging out with, drinking and using and stuff, they haven't, all they've been caring about is did we have a bag or a bottle? You know, and just as long as we didn't burn them. We could go burn anyone else we wanted and they didn't care, but just as long as we didn't burn them. So, I mean, we, you know, to have somebody really care enough to go, wow, I'm not really wild about your behavior right now, or wow, you know, you're not acting like the person that you say you want to be. You know, that really, that shows caring, okay? All right, let's talk about five different types of, I'm going to erase this. Let's talk about five different types of uh, confrontation. Okay, the first one is experiential. Five types. Okay, experiential. It's the here and now. Usually when a counselor observes discrepancy between what the client is saying and what he is apparently experiencing as he says it. it we're, we're coming back on some of the three that we talked about a minute ago. Okay, so again, the here and now, this is all about the here and now. This isn't about something reflecting back to uh, earlier times or something like that. The here and now. And the one example we gave earlier was... Uh, a client that's that's uh, crying or and and having an emotional event in front of you and yet saying that they're angry. And again, I'm going to say that remember our clients aren't really well, aren't really good at um, naming their feelings. I don't know about you guys, but when I got here, I knew anger really well and I knew rage really well, and. Uh, pretty familiar with happy I guess but I don't even know if I really knew what it really was but anger and rage I knew really well okay but I wouldn't talk to you about fear and I wouldn't talk to you about sadness or things like that I didn't even know how to identify those okay I went straight to anger and rage to avoid those so you know sometimes we're gonna have to help those clients identify you know and so that might be what is called an experiential confrontation and again that doesn't mean you know blow their hair back confrontation. It's just like what I'm seeing isn't, isn't what, you're, what you're identifying it as and, and checking in more about what is that feeling, okay? The second one is a strength confrontation. Okay? Strength confrontation occurs when the client is pretending weakness in an area where the counselor knows or suspects the client has strength. 
Anybody got an example? Pretending weakness. So it can be physical weakness. So we have had that going on right now in one of our houses where a gentleman is unable to do anything more than 25 pounds, but in the morning he's lifting weights all over the place. You know, it's like, wow, okay, so you can't do physical labor, but you can lift weights, you know, and but, and, but it can also be the weakness that, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a client one time who um, came across like, I can't, I can't do this, I can't schedule my own appointments, I can't, I'm not smart enough to do this kind of stuff. And yet, it's so not true. I mean, she's had three kids and she's raised them pretty much. I'm not saying she's raised them well. But I'm saying that if you kept them alive and, and kept them fed, and, and honestly, the truth is, is our clients, if they've been good enough to survive what, what they've been doing, they're pretty intelligent. You know, it takes some intelligence to scam the way a lot of our folks do. Right, you know, it really takes some intelligence. Now it's about getting them to see, let's apply that in a better way of living, you know. Um, I'll do a group called intention and in that group they have to move from one side of the room to the other and they end up having to do it, the group ends up doing it a hundred different ways. And at the end people will be going, I can't think of anything new and everyone will want to help them and it's like, yes you can and we'll just stand there and wait for that person. Um, because I don't, want to, I don't want to buy into the you can't figure out a new way to do this, yes you can. And just give them some time, usually it's their uh, their self-esteem or they're worried, they're worried about their look good and that's what gets in the way. And so we get to stand there and we just get to support them and yes you can, you're an intelligent woman, you can do this. So this one is called weakness confrontation. Okay, weakness confrontation. So this is when the counselor observes the client playing tough to avoid obvious difficulty he's having. Um, a lot of times I'll get, especially with women, I, um, we'll get women that will come across like they've had a, a, a disagreement with another woman in the house, okay? And they'll come across like, um, like they're going to fight, and I don't mean literally physically fight, they'll verbally fight, uh, and, or I don't care what you think of me, but I, five seconds later they're starting to cry. You know, or, and so it's like, I don't care, I don't need any of you. And that's a good example of, really, you know, a long time ago, a long time ago, um, I had a woman say that, I don't need people. So what we did is that we had her go two days without anybody being able to talk to her. And by the end of the first hour, she was squirming, you know, because to say something, I don't need people, you know, and, and so we did. It's like, uh, okay, so for w what we're going to do is we're just going to have nobody talk to her and she's not going to be able to talk to anybody for a couple of days. And, and let's bring that awareness up about how much we really do need people, you know. But it'll happen a lot in, in our house where um, women will want to get mad instead of getting to their real feelings of sadness. And so this would be a good example of that, of helping them get to that sadness, you know. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Okay. Um, action confrontation. Okay, action confrontation. This type boosts the client toward an agreed upon goal or contract. What do you think that means? This type of confrontation boosts the client toward an agreed upon goal or contract. Yeah. This is stuff you're going to do a lot, this one. 
because we're going to set out a treatment plan for folks. It's part of our daily structure that our women exercise four times a week. And, and so, you know, by day three when I've got, you know, did you exercise? No, no, no. The third day it's like, okay, part of our curriculum is that you would exercise four times a week, you know. So what do we got to do? Okay, um, I have a rule with our volunteers that you will attend at least four 12-step recovery meetings. And it's like, how many meetings have you been to this week? Okay, so what are we going to do, you know, to push them toward their goal? If you have a client that is, is heading toward exiting, and there's some, in your treatment plan, you've been talking to, you know, when we get to treatment plans, believe me, you guys, when you get to treatment plans, the day they come in, you start talking about their exit. Okay, and, and you, you, so you have clients and you've got this, this whole plan set up, you know, you've created with them about what they need to do prior to their exit and yet they're not doing it. And it's like, wow, you know, in two weeks you're going to be, and yet you've got this and this and this and this that you still need to do. Okay, action confrontation. This is what, you know, action. This is stuff that you need to be doing. Okay, does that make sense? All right. Factual confrontation. This is the last one. Factual confrontation occurs when the counselor imparts facts to correct the client's imaginings or some misinformation he is operating from. Okay? Can you repeat that? Yeah. When we as a counselor will give them facts to help them uh, to correct their the way they're seeing things the way you know our clients will go how about this everybody hates me and so literally I'll stop group and go okay let's do an inventory real quick how many of you guys hate Ray and I'll say if you hate Ray raise your hand you know, and, and so it's like, okay, that's a fact, okay, please. And then I'll, here's what I'll have to do most of the time. Okay, will you please, Ray, will you look around the room and see how many hands are not up? You know, that's what we're talking about. And I'll repeat it again for you, Jamie. This occurs when the counselor imparts facts to correct the client's imaginings or some misinformation he is operating from. Okay, so here's another example. We'll go back to the domestic violence. Or we'll go back to the woman who was five months in jail and has since been in treatment even about three weeks and still has not seen her significant other. So we could say, how many of you guys, if you lived 20 minutes from the jail, would visit your significant other while they were in jail? Because that's, that's how much you care about them. And then everybody's hand would probably go up. And then I would say to that person, wow, look around the room. These are the, this is what these people think. As a partner, this is how you would act. Does that make sense? So that way that woman, you know, it's another way of going, ah, you know, showing some facts about what this looks like. Okay? Say that again? Right, right. Um, Misinformation, imagining is, you know, like I said, that everyone hates me or nobody cares about me or they're all giving me dirty looks or they're all this or that. Um, and then, you know, misinformation can be really about a lack of accountability. 
Okay. Um, what if you got a client sitting? Uh, oh, come on! I'm sure we've all we're all gonna hear it. You're gonna hear it. Um, the police or CPS? The police just know my car. They pick on me. Yeah. You know, or I, I didn't do anything wrong to lose my kids. I mean, I've had people, uh, my God, a child with the broken bones and stuff, and it's been obvious abuse, and it's like, I didn't do anything wrong. You know, how can you use that lack of accountability? How can you bring that out? Right. So it wasn't that the cops were necessary. I get that you think the cops were picking on you, but the truth is, is that you're uh, you drive on a suspended license, and yes, the cops probably do know you really well, because you've been arrested, you know, 48 times, uh, and so they might recognize your vehicle. But had you not been driving under the influence, driving without a license, da 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 da, whatever, if they pulled you over, it wouldn't have mattered anyway, because you would have been a legal driver. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, you know. So it's like bring out the facts. I can get pulled over today and yet I'm not going to get all that because I know my car is registered and I have a license and all of those things, even if I got pulled over today. And that's a good opportunity to use the group. I mean, honestly, it's really, it's, that's the beauty of group work, you know, when we get to that day. I think that's next week. But that's the beauty of group work is let the group be a part of the confrontation. Okay, you know, honestly, uh, a lot of times our clients come in thinking we're the enemy anyway. We're one of them. They think we're like, we're, you know, we're like that with the cops or we're like that with CPS. And so we're the enemy. So it's really, it's really beautiful when their peers are the ones that are going, wow, you know, no, what about this and what about this and what about this? And the peers be part of opening their eyes. Okay, because a lot of times, I mean, their peer could have a minute of sobriety, but they're going to believe them more than they're going to believe us. Okay, now, when it comes to confrontation, we talked about it last week. It's like, we have to have a relationship um, of trust with the clients. Okay, we have to. We have to establish some rapport. And yet, uh, it, that rapport does not take weeks to build. It doesn't have to. Okay, I, you know what, I was listening to one of the counselors at our facility yesterday doing a phone screening. She had rapport with that lady on the phone in, in a matter of moments. It was amazing. There were times in the conversation I kept going back to, I think she must be talking to one of her family or a friend or something. Because, so they sounded like they were friends. And then she got off the phone and she was talking to me about it. it was no, she was doing a phone screening with some girl that needed an indigent bed. And at the end of the conversation, the woman said, wow, I think that you're the first person that's really like listened to me. And she said she had called like 15 facilities yesterday. You know, we have to establish, and it wasn't some 30 minute conversation. Uh, Stephanie, the counselor, she established that rapport in just a matter of moments with that woman. Just a matter of moments. Okay, so this is not this long process that you have to have all these one-on-ones and are all this to, to establish that rapport. Okay, it doesn't mean you gotta be best friends, it just means that you have to have some sort of trust established before you can, a confrontation is gonna be of any benefit to the client. Okay, because otherwise it's just gonna come across like one of many, you are the enemy or you are the authority, the authority telling me what to do, you know. And uh, because it's coming out of you, I won't listen. <laughs> okay. Um, our manner 
and our attitude toward the client is crucial. It's crucial. You know, last week I had two conversations. One left treatment, one decided to stay. But I had two conversations in a very calm um, and yet matter of fact, but, but caring, it's like we're full, we have a waiting list, and it's sad for me to watch you occupy this bed, and yet it's obvious, you've made it obvious since you got here, that you don't want what we have to offer, and you're not even sure you want a whole new way of life. You're not sure you want to change your life, you know? And so for me, it's difficult, because every day I'm turning people down to come in, and yet I've got a bed occupied by somebody who doesn't want what we have to offer. You know, so here's what I need. I need you either to make a decision that you're not going to just do time here because at the end of your time, you still won't get a successful completion. Or you, you either uh, you shift and start putting some more effort into your treatment or it's I'm okay with the fact if you want to pack and go. I'm really, it's, it's, we'll be here when and if you decide to come back. You know, but say it very calmly and just present, you know, these are your choices. And like I said, one of them decided, okay, I'll leave. And the other one decided, uh, the other one came back in tears a couple hours later and said, it's sad for me that you think I'm not trying and da 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 and you think that and all these things. And since then has, has, has tried more in her treatment. Okay? It, both considered confrontations and yet it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't at all. Not that I haven't done that also. You know, you're wasting space, pack your bag, bye-bye. But, but this one was just, it was just different. It's, you know, girl's 21. So, you know, she's very young. I don't need to, to do that yet. She's probably not even, and we'll talk about it later on today, about the stages, you know, that our clients come in at. And this girl is very pre-contemplation and, and not sure how she wants her life. She's, you know, has a couple DUIs, but doesn't think drinking is a problem for her. Okay, so, and it's not, you know, it's not necessarily that she's lying. She's just not aware yet, okay? But either way, you still have to put some effort into what we got going on here, okay? All right, and, and I honestly think that my relationship that I have with that client has changed since then because I took the time to go, what you're doing isn't working. Isn't working for me and it really isn't working for you even though you don't know that yet, okay? Um, Honest, helpful confrontation comes out of a deep, trusting relationship, but it creates even a deeper and more trusting relationship, okay? Our clients haven't been listened to a lot lately, okay? They've been, I mean, they've been sitting at the, the dope man's house, blah, 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 and doing that, but nobody's really listening. They're all just watching the pipe. Um, or, or their family has been done listening. It's like, oh, I've been hearing you say this for years and years and years. So done with you. You know, so, you know, just the fact that you could sit down and do the intake with a client. Our process. Sit down and do an intake with a client. And at the end of that, the client has probably been listened to and felt uh, cared about at the end of that intake more than they have in a long time. Okay? And then that could, that's the beginning of establishing that relationship. And then it just goes from there, more and more and more. Caring about, you know, because we have clients that come in from jail or we have whatever. We have clients that, and taking the time to just get them a pair of pants because they don't have any of their own. You know? Outpatient. 
uh, this client isn't even going to be your client, but I know down there at our outpatient those people will help people find referrals to other places. My gosh, they feel more cared about in that moment than they have in a long time. Okay.